I <laughs> thought we were. I thought no, no. no. This was... Okay, listen. How, here's how we're going. I have a plan. I, I know how we're going to do this whole syncing of the <laughs> encoder and the Facebook. Basically, Ryan, you're the one who's always doing the Facebook, or Courtney, whoever's running the Facebook thing. Basically, I will start the encoder okay. for the show. All right. And then whoever's doing the Why Facebook, are we discussing this you press the button because we have then, to. That's one, what we just. That's what I we just have to, did. But but don't talk. But. Once the Facebook thing's ready to go, you start like just do your thing. You See, have to be the first one to talk. But now you're documenting it. Yeah. So now we can look back at right. it and make sure that we will have this down. We will pat. not have it down. We're never we will not gonna, have listen, any we're problems. I promise you guys, by the way, we need to stick to our, <laughs> our new goal of like our intro is five minutes. That's it. And then we do the show because we are. Dude, why are you being such a Nazi right now? <laughs> Because man, you, uh, we 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 we've talked about this. We we have to structure the show better. Because right now, we're can I maybe just point out that yes, we've talked about it, but it's usually you who goes over it. Look at those accusing fingers. Goes over See, it. What does that mean? Like you don't follow your own rules. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, the intro. The biggest. The, 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 here's the thing. The biggest thing is just our intro. Our intro is like thirty minutes long, and we really is that need the to biggest get... thing. <laughs> yeah. Is it really? Really? <laughs> it is. We lack structure. But maybe that's one of our endearing things. It, it actually is about the, the show. The, the least endearing thing about the show <laughs> is that scientifically proven, crowdsourced information. <laughs> have we held a? Uh, have we done you know a what, survey guys? of our I, listeners? I love, I love really... how your passion for mediocrity, guys, is incredible. <laughs> Who said it's a passion for mediocrity? Who said that this isn't really planned, but not planned, but planned, but not planned? Uh, this is why we'll <laughs> never <laughs> get better. Um, cool. So we're how long right now? We are two minutes in. So, okay. So two things I want to mention. Well, one thing really. Just there is somebody on campus I would love to have as a guest on the show. I saw her just outside. I saw she, her too. She would be great. Yeah. She would be great. If she would be great for this episode, you know, but we don't have a guest this episode. But I would love to have her as a guest. She's a nun. She is. I've seen a her nun? before. She's okay. a straight up, but she's like young. She's like 20 something years old, like early mm-hmm. 20s. But she's a nun. Empty she's, guest chair. And she's. <laughs> documenting. I don't know. I just want to know about her. I want to know about. Well, go. You know. You you're, did. You're you in did PR. Actually... You're in marketing. Go introduce yourself and say, hi, would you like to be part of my podcast listen i'm a guy and walking up to a girl and saying uh you don't feel my podcast i feel you creepy. literally That's said creepy. before we started yeah. this you literally said i'm just gonna go out there and ask a girl hey do you want to be on the show and now, there was would... there was a nun for you to ask <laughs> and you it's, didn't ask it's kind of like a weird it's, sign it's only, from above it's only you know creepy I mean? like, if you ask in a weird way i don't know about that i mean yeah you did say i'm gonna ask and yeah. she you, she knows you're not asking because it's like a weird sexual thing she's a nun She's not into that. So that was like the perfect person and you you blew it. Yeah. Well, what do you guys what do you guys got in your mind? Um Well Ryan was he was exaggerating my phone call. Well, actually I wasn't even making phone calls. I was she texting. Was, she was voice to as text we were driving texting down here and like yelling at people. I was not yelling. Who was I like, yelling? Cancel at? the croissants. Cancel the croissants. I didn't God say cancel. I said don't forget about the okay. croissants. Well, same thing. And I was t- sending it to my sister to make sure she does it. So, yeah. But well, I wasn't yelling. You were. I was not. Was you swearing? What is your definition you of swearing? You were talking swearing? sternly. Not because swearing. You have, I didn't say you were swearing. You have to talk clearly. Otherwise, it doesn't get your words. Right. And you then talk really pointedly. You got to exactly. like, look them in the eyes. You know, make fun of their mother a little bit. <laughs> Siri, I said, goddamn period. <laughs> yeah. Let's go crazy!
I already hate this episode. <laughs> By the way, Ryan was saying we, we you know we don't have a guest today. We can really make this episode amazing, and then there's less pressure on us. Ryan, this is Ryan Noosh and Courtney. A hundred years. <laughs> this is just the worst episode. The worst episode. Way it's because you, it you came into it. Yeah, all like, oh, we don't have a guest. It's gonna suck. I don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> Way to bring that. Although, positivity. also, also to be fair, there was like weird technical stuff going on and yeah, other things. Hang on a second. Just gotta roll with the punches. I don't roll with the punches. I just dude. Noosh really do doesn't. He is very, very bad at rolling with anything. Yeah. I'm really? like, my my policy is this: basically, just. Uh, if things the are, world has to work the way he says it works, otherwise but that's well, not how no, no. the world works. When things go wrong, they go do, wrong. Do things later. That's my. <laughs> I mean, do things when things can go right. That's my approach to everything. How will you ever get anything done? Uh, I think that's why I'm the age I am and still pretty unsuccessful <laughs> in life. I think that kind of answers that. Yeah, that, yeah. that that'll that'll do it. So today, on it's that to- night. on that topic today. <laughs> Ladies, ladies, maybe that's why you're having such an issue. Yeah. Savage. Because. I, I don't think anybody girl, got that joke. Girl problems. I don't have I, girl problems. I know. I don't, I don't even, that's not even a sweat on my brow or a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a thorn in my shoe. Wouldn't it be a thorn uh, in your side? A sticker in my sock. There you go. <laughs> Those are pretty Those annoying. Are, yeah. Those are the worst. <laughs> yeah. um, so today's topic is. Women, because and the reason yeah, why yeah we need is, to at least say why it's it's women because tomorrow is international a day without women. Well, it's day. International Women's Day, and then okay. slash it's the um, international I think day of without women. Yeah, yeah. At least it national if it is it's international. It's international. Yeah. I mean, the first so place I heard about it was like Brazil. Yeah, like they it's, it, they, they, I think they purposely chose tomorrow to coincide with International Women's so, Day. So yeah, if anyone doesn't know what it is, it's a international strike. Strike basically. day. Well, and if you <laughs> and so. I've read several articles that if you know, because it's not always it's not everyone can take off work or work you know walk out or anything like right. that. And if you have kids, obviously you can't strike as a mom because you know just like here feed yourself for the day. Um, so there are other ways to still show your support. So one thing I read was that you can wear red tomorrow as a way to show your alignment with the cause. Huh. So yeah, that would what, be something to do. That's what the previous DJ said too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go. Women strike. Women strike. Guys, you go yeah. to work. It's a yeah. normal day. But guys can still support. They can wear red. So wear red. Wear red. But it's yeah. not a day for us to just take off. No. Yeah. Because the point is for you guys to realize that you would be nowhere without us. We, we would be nowhere. Half, half the population, yeah. Yep. 52%. It's a little bit more. Over half. half. Yeah, over half. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, today we're celebrating, celebrating. and talking about ladies. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, on that topic, I think it's kind of funny, though, that, I mean, we have our approaches to getting stories you know we are we kind of have like our niches yeah and my niches tend to be historical i tend to go into the past i tend to go into those kinds of stories mm-hmm. and it just kind of hit me that like i found two stories i wanted to cover today and i mean if we are talking about women but i, I i'm talking about dead women you know what i mean like that's my story i'm talking about a dead woman okay i'm talking about a dead woman too. my god but <laughs> but how do you become a legend yeah you know? yeah that's you true. live a legendary life and then you're probably dead now, but... I mean, I guess when you're talking about history, most people tend to be dead. Yeah. 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 That is... That's, that's true. true. Yeah. yeah. Most people ever are dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. in human history. I guess you could say more people. There's de- listen. There's definitely lived. more people dead, dead than there's than there is alive now. Yeah, that's I mean, true. there's seven billion people alive. But there's been way more people than that. Well, yeah. Hmm. It's it a good, the dawn of time. Good point, man. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you what do you got for us today? Today, mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna talk about Sadie the goat. <laughs> <laughs> I I knew you were gonna say something about Sadie, but that was that yeah. was good. I didn't actually when I uh, first learned about the story. I first learned about it actually this weekend, um, before I even knew that we were talking about this. But mm-hmm. as soon as I as soon as we were like, oh, we're talking about this, I was like, I know what I'm talking about. So um, I'm surprised that I and you and and Courtney. I'm none of I don't I can't believe I've never heard of this before. Yeah, because well, I think pretty, that's it's the ridiculous. thing for a lot of women because usually women are cut out of history. It's all about e- the even men. Even if you're a goat. Even if you're a goat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So Sadie the goat was originally Sadie Farrell. She was raised in the slums of New York in the mid 1800s. <laughs> Wait, we are talking about a real goat, right? No, she's a person. <laughs> that's oh. just her nickname. She's a person oh, with a dude. nickname of Sadie really the Goat. I really thought she was a goat. I'm not talking time. about a goat. We're talking about women Oh, today. I wish the story was now about a goat. <laughs> I, when you said Sadie the Goat, I just thought, okay, it's, it's about a goat. I mean, like, I thought, you know, we stretched the boundaries of women. That would t- be you know, really tight. stretching. Yeah, that would be going I'm a talking about bit. a female goat. <laughs> no. Listen, by the way, that's kind of like a noosh move. I'm the that guy would who, be a noosh I'm move. the guy who took awards and tried to make it about wards, like psych wards. <laughs> Yeah, so if anyone was going to be talking about a real goat, it would have been you. But yeah. That's not the case. So Sadie the goat started as Sadie Farrell. That's her given name. Yeah. She was raised in the slums of New York can, in the mid-1800s. Can I call her Sadie, Sadie Agnes Farrell? It just sounds like in You that can call period. her Sadie the goat Farrell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so she grew up mostly hanging out with thieves and other, you know, shitty people. Oh, uh, okay. as the, you do in the slums. In, in the slums of mid-1800s. Um, so that set her up real nice to become... Oh, mid-1800s New York. So this, this is Gangs of New, New York area. Actually, yeah. uh, what's her face in that movie? Um, Cameron Diaz character? No. What was her name? What was her name? Something Maggie. Gyllenhaal? No, not the, no. Not the, oh, no, the, no, actress, the actress. The character, oh. the person. <laughs> well, here, yeah, I'll, I'll she was a, She was a famous... She was also a famous... What you're going to talk criminal. about? Criminal. Oh, okay. Ah, man. Uh... I was gonna write this down and I totally forgot because I don't care about this person. Hold on, I'm, I'm one letter away from finding out. Hellcat Maggie. Hellcat Maggie. <laughs> so the character of Hellcat Maggie is a composite yeah. of Hellcat Maggie, who was a real person, and Sadie, Sadie the, goat. the Goat. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So people, I mean, the character didn't get the name Sadie the Goat, but she is. She was. She inspired that character. Okay. Partially. <laughs> I wish I could remember the character better so I can be like, ah, that's uh, Hellcat Maggie, by the way, the real person. I don't remember if they did this in the movie because I haven't seen the movie in God knows how long. Right. Uh, Hellcat Maggie was crazy. And she, like, sharpened her teeth and, like, sharpened her nails and used to, like, Jeez. Freddy Krueger people. Oh, that was the thing. Oh, okay. Sadie the Goat was much funnier. Compass. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, so she grew up in the slums, mid-1800s, gangs in New York stuff. Uh, and... Um, she was the most financially successful female criminal of her time. So, fuck off, Hellcat Maggie. <laughs> you might be scary, but you didn't make that money. Uh, so she started... Oh, man. Uh, she started making a name for herself in uh, 1869 by stealing literally everything from lone travelers and especially drunk people leaving bars. Wait, how did she... She and stole I mean, from them. I mean everything from them. 
down to their freaking shirts, pants, and shoes. She took everything. So by the time these people like were done getting robbed, they were just hang- they're just in their underwear. They had nothing left. How did she rob them with their Freddy Kruegers? No, that's Hellcat Maggie. That's oh, a different person. That's right, right, right. Don't ever mention her. Okay, <laughs> she does not exist. Uh, for this so podcast. I'll tell you how. She was a pretty small, thin woman. She wasn't like a big lady, so right. she wasn't like physically intimidating anyone. But she had a very specific Set and very skills. effective <laughs> mo. So what she would do is she would get a running start, and she would just fucking headbutt people <laughs> in the stomach. <laughs> That nickname then, makes sense. <laughs> then she had one male accomplice who, once she had done this, he Billy? would... Is he Billy? <laughs> God, I hope his name is Billy. No one ever mentioned his name. Uh, we'll call him Billy. Yeah, though. dude, call him Billy. So Billy would then use a slingshot to shoot rocks at people in the head or hit them with a bat. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's... And this, he would do this while yeah. they were either like doubled over in pain from getting fucking headbutt right. or really just generally confused about... A woman headbutting them in the stomach. <laughs> so after that happened, they'd be unconscious. They would steal just fucking everything. From them. <laughs> nice. So they'd wake up. By the way, drunk. I, I, I'm with imagining a this. I'm imagining this very much in the middle of the street, like just broad daylight. <laughs> That's exactly where it happened. Okay. I mean, she would mostly her 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 main thing was people walking out of bars by themselves, drunk. Right. And she would just run, headbutt them in the stomach. <laughs> Knock them out, take all their stuff. Right. And this hey, is that just, works. That's how she made a living. I, <laughs> I mean, mean, they... they. I don't really see anything wrong with that M.O., honestly. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean you're still robbing people. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, cool, but... it's pretty effective. I mean, if they're drunk already, you wouldn't really have to headbutton that hard if they're already pretty drunk. You know drunk. what? One thing that I uh, asked myself uh, reading about this was... What if someone's, like, really drunk? I mean, how many times did she headbutt someone and they just threw up on her? Uh, oh, I mean, no. Because that, that had to have happened. Every single time, I just, have to imagine. Bleh. I mean, she just washes vomit out of her hair <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, like, you just wash yeah. your hair and then you get all this loot. I mean, I, I think yeah. it's a good trade-off. Yeah. I mean, that's... Still that's, gross, but... It's true. Yeah, she did. She made a decent living doing this. I remember this. This is the time period, guys, when it was common for people to have piss and shit in their hair Ugh. because people were always throwing out their <laughs> waste true. buckets That's out true. the window. So it's just kind of like, ah. Uh. A little bit of vomit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Not a big deal. Whatever. Just... <laughs> There's worse that's been in her hair. <laughs> yeah. All right. So one day while at the Hole in the Wall Bar, that's what it was called. That... It's on Dover Street. Yeah. That is that is a typical name for yeah. a robber's bar. <laughs> um. It's a bar that she frequently waited outside of and headbutted people. She goaded them there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that verb, goaded. So uh, she went inside, and uh, she got into an argument with the bouncer there. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you about the bouncer. The bouncer was a woman, also, oh, okay. named Gallus Mag. She was six feet tall, English, and a beast. <laughs> uh, bas- <laughs> her thing was she would patrol the bar with, like, a billy club, like, around her wrist. <laughs> and... Uh, she was known to, you know, beat people with it. And then if they were particularly unruly and the billy club wasn't effective, she would get them in a headlock and bite off their fucking ear. She would just Tyson oh, people. Jeez. Often enough that she had, like, a really big jar with alcohol in it where she oh. kept all of the ears. Dude, the 1800s were a crazy time. So, uh, and, and the jar was labeled Gallus Mag's trophy case. She had, like, a bunch of ears in this thing. Dude, the kinds of people that were produced in that time period. The that's, it was that's, a it was a crazy time, man, in yeah. human history. Yeah. So Gallus Mag, big English lady. Uh Sadie the Goat is Irish. 
by the way, so they were having some strife Issues. at the time. Okay. Uh, people aren't really sure what started the fight. It's generally believed, though, it that was Sadie what? started it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it was definitely Gallus Mag who finished it. Uh, oh. She beat Sadie with the bat. She Sadie kept fighting, as Irishmen, yeah. Irish women do. Uh, and then, of course, Mag did the old, the old Maggie oh, Tyson yeah. thing. Bit off an ear, threw it in her case, threw Sadie out. <clears throat> so... So now Sadie is, you know, disillusioned, one-eared, <laughs> not really wanting to do her headbutting thing outside that bar Aww, anymore. That's all she had to live for. Uh, so she was just kind of like hanging out at the docks around there instead. Uh, and here's where she saw the Charleston Street Gang unsuccessfully try to board and rob a small ship. They got their ass kicked. They all got, you know, thrown off, thrown off the boat. Right. Billy clubbed <laughs> by, you know, just the. People on the boat. I mean, I mean, just yeah, just they were just. I mean, listen, back in that they were time an honest period, gang trying to make a living, and they were really bad at it. Back in that time period, the cops were also kind of a gang, and also just the civilians. The civilians, yeah. if you're in a group of like five yeah. people, you're a gang. If you get if you get five people of any any group yeah. together, they're they're like a little gang. Everybody's a gang back. Then. Yeah. So uh, Sadie convinced them after they didn't, you know, she convinced the Charleston Street gang after they didn't rob this boat yeah uh to make her their leader because she was really good at this sort of thing headbutting people anyway uh <laughs> and so that's when she started her career as a successful river pirate <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> her and her gang stole a ship bigger than the one that they tried to before uh they put they straight up put a jolly roger like skull and crossbones <laughs> yeah, flag nice. up uh, and they started raiding other ships like smaller ships uh Fishing villages, farms, houses, pretty much anything along the Hudson and the Harlem Rivers. They just, like, went up and down stealing <laughs> shit. The only thing they avoided were, like, large cruise ships because they were too, they were too big. They weren't yeah. going like, to, try to take that on. So she'd been really successful doing this for a while. Like, she, they were really good at stealing stuff and, like, whatever, taking whatever they wanted. Mm. Uh, and she got really into pirates, guys. Like, she... <laughs> She started reading about pirate book, like pirates, checking out pirate books at the library. I don't know where she I got mean, books here's back the thing: then. she's already kind of there because she lost yeah. part of you know she, she lost her ear. ear, and that's yeah. kind of the she's pirate got thing. a yeah. she's got a pirate ship now. Yeah, so she got really into pirates, and she started uh, oh. doing things like making unruly gang members literally walk the plank, <laughs> uh, and. <laughs> And uh, she read a book where pirates kidnapped Julius Caesar. I don't know if that actually happened or if that's just like a fictional Probably thing. not the pirates we're thinking of if there were pirates. No, yeah, it was something yeah. else. But anyway, so she and her crew, she convinced them, like, our thing's kidnapping now. So they started just kidnapping people <laughs> for ransom. Um, eventually, this led to a bunch of people getting together with the cops, a gang. They became yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a counter gang. Right. <laughs> uh, and they ambushed them when they landed one day, killed a bunch of her crew members, but uh, she so escaped. So they boarded her ship? No, they landed somewhere. Okay. And they, like, uh, ambushed them. Yeah. Okay. They were waiting for them. Gotcha. So, killed a bunch of her crew members. She escaped. The Charleston Street Gang was, like, no more. There were, like, people left, but they all just kind of, like, quit. Uh, Sadie survived. And she wasn't really sure what else to do. So, and, you know, by now, she's she's been... A very successful criminal. Right. She's she's ready. I, well, to, I mean, she's know, ready to settle down. Say she ready we to can retire. Really stretch the definition of successful because she did lose an ear. I mean, she made money, but she lost. Dude, she made a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, they had like I didn't actually write this in here, but they had um, 
they had like secret caches all over the state pretty much where they were keeping all their money. They had like four or five different fences that they had to use. They were making so much money that they literally couldn't just spend it. They had to hold it in places to make wow. it seem more legitimate. And back then there were no money laundering, so. Yeah. Well, huh. they didn't really steal money so much as they stole stuff that they had to sell through yeah. fences so that they could get money. I see. Yeah. So, uh by now she's she's sitting on a good amount of money. I mean, most of her gang's dead, so it's not like she has to split yeah. it with anyone. <laughs> And uh, so she went back to her old headbutting grounds, <laughs> um, got a new nickname, a more respectable thing. Uh, she Captain was, She was now goat. called Queen of the Waterfront. Oh, okay. And uh, you know what's great about mid-1800s era? When you're a gang member or, like, you know, you do all these terrible things, when you're done, people still be like, hey, I respect you. you know? <laughs> I still think you're a pretty cool person. Uh, so she's Queen of the Waterfront now, and uh, using her pirate money, she opened a gin mill. So she decided to start making gin. That works. <laughs> uh, so she's living the quiet life. As, as quiet as, as 1800s can get for someone like yeah, her. Yeah, that's true. Well, quieter than getting your ear bitten off and... Becoming a pirate. Being a Be pirate, pirate. Yeah. and headbunting people for their money. <laughs> uh, so she's just making gin, living her, her life. Uh, and she hears that the hole in the wall bar, where she got her ear taken off... Oh, old Gallus Mag. Old Gallus Mag's bar is getting shut down because... It was getting shut down because seven people were murdered there in the span of two months. And the cops <laughs> and pretty much all the citizens were like, you know what? This place is trash. We got to get rid of it. We got to close it down. Only because of those murders. <laughs> I mean, seven people that died is, there in two months. That's, that's a lot. But yeah. not the fact that she's been biting ears off of patrons. Th- that's just normal you know? bouncer activity. Yeah, that's, that's what you do with a bouncer. But, you know. Uh, so, I remember this. Over the course of time philosophical theory about how to do certain kinds of jobs change. You know, the world of it's marketing true. changed in a span of the last hundred years. So the the world of bouncing was very different. <laughs> I mean, they used to cut time. people's hands off for trying to steal and stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah. The world's evolved, I guess. It's not as exciting. Uh, you know, you know what they evolved. say? They say uh, the, the world's not as big as it used to be. Yeah. No, no, man. There's no more river pirates. <sighs> Dude, you, you're, you're supposed to say to that, when somebody says to you, the world... Ain't as big as it used to be. You're supposed to say, nah, mate, we're all still the same. Just less in it. Just less in it? Yeah. Is Cap- that a reference? Captain to some- Jack said that. That's what it's. Oh. Ah, it's oh. A- well, that was yeah. a good reference, too, because yeah. it's a pirate. Yeah, he is. Well, <laughs> that's why I said it. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> didn't catch that one. <laughs> I didn't catch it, no. Um, anyway, so yeah, the hole in the wall is getting shut down. So Sadie hears about this, and she goes there one last time before it closes. Uh, and uh, her and Mag squash their beef, and Mag gives her her ear back. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the last, the last yeah. thing I got to say about it. She wore her ear in a locket around her neck for the rest of her life, <laughs> just making I gin, mean, living her life with her ear in a locket. And those. I'm not gonna lie. I would probably Sadie do something ghost. similar, only because of the fact, dude, that if my limb of some kind, some kind of limb, something. That's been a part of some me appendage. since I was yes that I that I've well, had since I was born. Yeah, that's <laughs> been a part of you. Literally uh, yeah. your whole life. I I don't know if I could like look look if I lost my thumb, I don't know how my right thumb would say goodbye to my left thumb. Like <laughs> say goodbye to your brother. Like I don't know how to deal with that. So I would just have to keep it with me because I don't want to have to separate. Keep them. it in your pocket so it can touch it. Still. Yeah, dude. Like it's so weird to me to say goodbye. I mean, actually, yeah. 
some of my stories kind of relate to this kind of thing, so it's kind of cool. But by the way, I really would have wished if the story would have ended with Gallus Mag disillusion, the bars being shut down, and the very last thing that happened on the last day of the bar was she got headbutted. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Dude, I really hope she, she gave her a good headbutt during the fight or after. Thanks for the year. Dude, you know, the funniest thing is, I mean, this is, uh, I don't know if you guys will get the reference, but are you, are you guys familiar with the Spider-Man villain Hammerhead? No. no. His whole thing is he got. I'm the juggernaut, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> well, kind. I mean, but what he did is he made his skull made of like metal, the same metal as like Wolverine's metal, uh-huh. and he just does the Maggie the Goat thing. He just <laughs> runs at walls and Maybe runs at people. Maybe Maggie the Goat inspired that character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> Maggie the Goat is like a. I mean, yeah, she was a criminal. But I really respect her methods. Like, that was... You know, you have to respect the audacity. That's what it is. It's just like... Also, who fucking gets that idea? Like, who's just (laughs) hanging out with their friend and like, man, we gotta make some money. We're poor. We need to start robbing people. What if I just fucking... Because, you know, she's... You know what? It's actually pretty smart because she was like a smallish woman. What's she gonna do? She's using her assets. She's using her head. Literally, yeah, yeah well, that's true. She's like, "What am I gonna? What, yeah. what do I have available?" I, I, to I me? bet somebody told her to use her head, and she's like, "That's a good idea." <laughs> yeah, she took she's literally. Like, yeah, maybe I will. Yeah. yeah. So Sadie uh-huh. the goat. Nice, nice. So, and also, I'm I'm impressed by her for a couple of the reasons. One, I mean, pirates weren't really doing the pirate thing so much at this stage of the game, especially not upstate New York. Not in New York. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely yeah. not in upstate New York. And uh, she was, I mean, I was like, man, she's like got all, she's she's got like, kind of like an entrepreneur. She was, she had like all these fences. She had like this whole breaking bad operation (laughs) going on with her money. It was, yeah. Yeah. And she had a little apprentice named Billy. And then afterwards (laughs) she was like, you know what? I got lucky. I got out when I did. Let's just start making gin. Let's be an honest. Dude, let's dude. get into an honest profession. I mean, on the whole Breaking Bad reference, I feel like the first fight between her and and Gallus Mag was kind of like the whole Walt goes into the gang hangout and blows it up with dude, that yeah, whole. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. That Billy, is. Billy is just saying like, yeah, bitch. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> I'm glad that we turned them into Walter White. <laughs> they kind of are. And Jesse. Um... All right, so my story is historical. Um, it's it's definitely more of a like, huh, wow, that's that's interesting, you know. Um, my, it's my second story, by the way, that kind of has some similarities to some stuff from yours and what we referenced. But any case, this is the story, guys, of the Le Conu de la Seine. Are you guys familiar with that term or that? Yeah, definitely. Oh, okay, I mean Ryan. No, no. Ryan's. <laughs> okay, well. So I want to tell you the story. Okay, so this story, guys, begins in the 1920s. Okay, I want you to imagine this. The beautiful 1920s Paris, right? Midnight, hey. midnight in Paris yeah. style, right? <laughs> cool. It's, it's the heyday. You've got freaking Dahl. Uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Salvador Dahl. Dahl. Yeah. Oh, Dahl. Walking the street. <laughs> You've got, uh, what's his face? Old Man in the River. What's that dude's name again? I forgot. Uh, Hemingway. Hemingway. Hemingway's doing his thing. Ernest motherfucking the, the, Hemingway. The Fitzgeralds <laughs> are partying in, in Paris. I mean, it's like this, the heyday, right? He had courage yeah. and strength, <laughs> and he did not fear death. And then he died, as all men do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the 1920s. An elderly woman walks along the streets of Paris. It's her first visit. She's from the countryside. She's never been to the big city. And, of France. Of France. Right? She's okay. from the countryside of France. She's never been to the big city. And, um, you know, so she's, and she's old. I mean, she's probably like, I want to say, let's say in her 
60s, okay? Like 60s, mid to late. So she's walking along the street. Along a particular street, she walks by a series of shops and sees something that freezes her in her tracks. In the shop window of a particular novelty mask shop was her face. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, she stopped, frozen in her There's tracks. There's a mask of her. There's a mask of her face in the shop window. That's uh, pretty creepy. And But let's be more specific. What she actually saw was her face from 50 years ago. So it's not her elderly face. You know what I really thought you were about to say? <laughs> it was, was her reflection? What, yeah, what she actually <laughs> saw was her reflection. That's what she's I an idiot. <laughs> She'd never seen never a mirror before. Well, she's, she's a bumpkin, so <laughs> maybe she has. So it was her face from 50 years ago. It's her face. So, I mean, you were talking about, like, teenage years. Okay. Her face from when she was a teenager is a mask on the shop. And by the way, I need to point out, when I say mask, I really, I really don't, I don't mean masks as we know them, like rubber masks or anything like that. These are almost like clay masks. Yeah. And they're not just frontal masks. They tend to be almost like a kind that you put over your head, if, if that makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but they weren't rubber. Like they're kind of, here's the thing. These masks are not meant to be worn. Um, and I'll explain all that later. But these are not, these are basically full head masks with like a neck mm-hmm. and everything. Okay. That's just what you need to know. So. Almost like a bust. Yeah, yeah, like a bust. That's a, that's a good example, a clay bust, okay? So um, it was her face from 50 years ago, and she was stunned and kind of scared a little bit yeah. from seeing that. Um, the face, just I'll show you a picture of it after, but the face looks serene with its eyes closed, but there's kind of this slight knowing smile just in the corner of her. You have a picture of the mask and I of do. her face? I do, and I'll show you, but uh, not right now. Uh, and it's kind of curled a little bit. The right corner is kind of curled like a, like a little knowing smile. Holy shit. What? What? Nothing. <laughs> did she really think, is she like, oh my God, I look like Mona Lisa. Is that oh. what's about to happen? Mona Lisa <laughs> did come into my mind. Like she had the uh, Mona Lisa smile. I mean, smile. I know it's not her because it's right. the 1920s. But right. I mean, did she, had she just never seen it and then she saw like this thing that looks like Mona Lisa and she's like, oh, it's me. I, not, no, that's okay. not the story <laughs> at all. You were just it describing is, the Mona Lisa smile. But that is a Mona why. Lisa smile, yeah. yeah. That is her face, though. I mean, it is definitely her, her face, face. Her teenage okay. face, yes. So the woman looks further into this whole story to find out what happened and how did they get her face, you know, as people do, right, yeah. when that happens. Um, what not she that dis- it's happened all that often. Right. She wanted to find out That's who tagged her on Facebook. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, basically, this is an example, guys, yeah. of Facebook like... Facebook means something totally <laughs> different right now. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> this is an example, guys, of kind of like that whole thing where, you know, you're a pretty girl. You got like a Facebook page or a Twitter. Somebody steals your picture you and Instagram. starts catfishing people, yeah. you know? Oh, it's yeah. it's kind of like the earliest version of that. <laughs> so what she discovers, though, when she looks into it is this face is famous. Like, everybody knows that face. In fact, do I mean, we know that face? You do, actually. That's the thing. You know it, and you don't even realize you know it. That's the thing about the story. So, the wealthy people in Paris, and actually, um, not just Paris, all over France, all over Europe, have this face, this mask. They hang it on their walls. They put it in their mantelpieces. It's basically they use it as a sort of like a morbid gothic sort of decoration because there's something kind of creepy about that face, the serene kind of knowing smile on it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and it's a it's a full headed bust basically mask. I'm really they trying hang to think it of on the wall. What it is? That's weird. Yeah, and so the wealthy have like all over Paris, all over Europe. This is a famous face. Everybody knows it. So that's why when then she asks, people are like like like, do you know what that face is? And 
they're like, yeah, of course, it's La Conneau de la Seine. Like, that's the name of the face. It's La Conneau de la Seine, which means unknown woman of the Seine. Or the Seine River, of course, is the river the reference, the, the big yeah. river that runs through Paris, right? So the unknown woman of the Seine. So here's what you need to know. There's this thing from ancient times, but it's very popular in the 1800s, and you know it kind of got less popular, you know, uh, over time. Um, it's called uh, death masks. A oh, death, yeah. You're, you're familiar with that. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Okay. So when a person dies, it's common to use clay to create a mask of the person's face mm-hmm. in order to preserve the image of the yeah. face because they didn't have photography back then. So that yeah. was the only way to remember what that person looked like at their death. Um, and these masks, what's uh, the thing about them is they're reproducible. Do you think people would make death masks like – I know if I was going to make a death mask, I'd be like, let me, let me get it in my 30s. Like I'm, I don't want to <laughs> wait until I'm old and right. remember me like this. Yeah, not like that, like this. Uh, I mean, if, if that's the case, I got to do it soon. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. I got to go get my death mask done. Yeah. Um, here, I mean, these death masks, they're reproducible and they're famous because they make death masks of like Napoleon, Robespierre, Abe Lincoln. Like all these famous people have death masks and people buy them and just yeah. use them as decorations, right? Um, Dude, by the way, what a weird human tradition. <laughs> I'm just decorating my house with the faces of the dead. Like that's <laughs> fucking weird. Why do we do stuff like that? Uh, because we had nothing else to do. Yeah. <laughs> we were really bored. Like, I get loved ones. It was a ones. simpler time back loved then. Loved ones make I sense. Mean, I don't want to forget the face of my mother or, right. you know, whatever. Yeah. But, but like, you've never fucking met Abe Lincoln. <laughs> what do you want him in your house for? I mean, by the way, I just remembered that back then, like, decoration and, like, style was that really That was really weird. weird. It was intensely weird. Like, you, you went from, like, things like gothic to, like, freaking Rococo, where, like, the house was a cake. Like, basically, guys, yeah. let's make the house a cake. Well, I mean, all the way up until, I want to say, like, the 70s, like, decoration was weird. But I feel yeah. like it probably was, part of it was that, did we have, what else did we have going on? I've yeah. been like, hey, I got a house now. I mean, I'm just sitting in here all the time. <laughs> I might as well do some crazy shit to it, yeah. you know? Okay, so let's jump back in time a little bit, okay? So we're in the 1920s right now. Okay. So we're going to jump back in time to 1880, oh. right? Let's go back so 50 years. We're, we're way before this lady was born now. No, 1880s, she's in her teens, right? 1920s, oh, she's yeah. 60-something. Gotcha, so gotcha. Go back 50 yeah, years, 1880s. 50 years. So she's like in her teens. So sometime in 1880, there were two twin girls from the countryside in France. They were not beautiful, but they had this innocent, pleasant face. Like they were well-liked because, you know, you could say symmetrical face, and they were really like just innocent-looking girls, right? They were yeah. very cute. Um, at the age of 16, one of the twins left the countryside to find work in Paris. Mm-hmm. You know what's really just popping into my head right now? Yeah. Um, Phoebe, when she finds out oh, that her twin right, sister, right. Ursula, is, is using porn. her name of porn. <laughs> Phoebe Buffet, <laughs> Vampire <Yeah>. Lair. <laughs> Remember that? Vampire Lair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then the, the, and the joke was she's... Phoebe, uh, you know, Phoebe, yeah. but it's Ursula, yeah. goes to the vampire to, like, stake the vampire. And the vampire's <laughs> like, oh, no, will you be sticking that stake into my dark places? And, and Ursula says, I was hoping it'd be the other way around. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. I also just like when she's in the coffee shop and guys are looking at her, like, trying to figure out, and she just yells, porn! You know me from porn! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so continue. sometime, okay, so... Right, twin so girls. So one of them went to Paris to do porn. One t- <laughs> I mean, you know what, Went to honestly, go dance at the Moulin Rouge. Listen, I hate to say this, but this is kind of a fact of life about humanity and the depravity of humanity. Anytime a girl from the country goes to a city, at some point <laughs> she'll get stuck doing some porn 
or yeah. something a little shady because that's what sick people in the city do <laughs> to country girls you know take away their innocence yeah especially the ones with the innocent faces like these guys yep so okay basically so at the age of 16 goes to goes to the city to work in porn <laughs> she met a man and she fell in love oh, with him God, of course yeah she fell in love with him but the affair was ended by the man and there is rumor that she was pregnant and abandoned okay so the girl stood on a bridge oh, with the fast-moving waters of the Sine River below her. It, they say the bridge was somewhere near the Louvre Museum, mm-hmm. the famous Louvre. And uh, she jumped in, and she drowned, and her body is found in the river the next day. At the morgue, and this is something you knew about morgues in the 1800s. So the thing is, they didn't have – I mean, remember this, 1800s, they didn't really have investigative – like police work. Yeah. I mean, back in the 1800s, police investigation was okay. Gather up all the evidence in a sack. Let's take it to the station <laughs> and let's look at it. They didn't think about crime scene investigation. They didn't think about preserving the yeah, evidence. Yeah, this is before. Actually, all the... the first time they started thinking about that was when Jack the Ripper, and and also when Edgar Allan Poe wrote uh, oh. Murders at the Rue Morgue, oh, huh. because in that story, the character uses like environmental investigation. That's the first time they've shown yeah. that. So those events are what they really started the whole crime scene investigation thing but this no so at that time at the morgue what they did was they didn't have like police having you identify the body in privacy what they did was the morgues had glass cases and anybody who died <laughs> that day or that week they'd put them they in these glass stick cases them in there. Hey, you know this person and people the and the morgue just opened doors people would just walk in and just see if anybody they know is dead it's kind of sad <laughs> and, and you know what the, is also sad about that is that's like it's like Okay, mom, I'm gonna go like yeah. go drinking with my friends, and then your son yeah. doesn't come home for two days. So you're like, oh, let's go to the morgue and the see morgue if he's open there. house. Let's go right. look at glass cases. A lot of people died kind of normally in the 1800s, so it's yeah. kind of like, uh, have you seen him? No, better uh, yeah, check the morgue. <laughs> Literally, <It's>... go check the morgue. <laughs> That's like when your dog runs away and you call the pound. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta go. Only we're, gonna, we're gonna miss the open dead. house. <laughs> opening in ten the minutes. Morgue's closing in ten minutes. So right. A lot of people died. So people would come to see who died, see if they recognize anybody. And everybody, even, I mean, the people who just went to just see if somebody else they knew died. Or pe- and, and remember this. There's people who nobody they knew died. They just went to, to went see to the dead. They just went to see the Look at right. dead people. And right. This is what they like to do. Gross. So all the people who went the first day she was being shown uh, became captivated by the face of this mysterious woman. And there were lines to see her because they were so enraptured by... The fact, like I said, she's not beautiful, but her face was innocent. It was very symmetrical, and she had this look. Her eyes were closed, and there was a slight smile on her face. Um, I wonder if at this time it'd be appropriate for me to show you her her face. Yeah, it would. I'm not, here, let me just. I'm gonna fold this so you can't see the the oh words. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Take a look. That's what she looked like at her death, and what her mask looks like. What do you think? This uh, black and white picture is the mask? That, that, well, that's a re- replica of her face. But that's her, an act. Here's the thing. That's not like a, a stylized mask, like the one on the yeah, yeah, yeah. the other one. Yeah. That's what her actual like clay mask looked like. And for our listeners, we'll post this up later. Yeah, so we'll, we'll post that up for you. But, I mean, what do you, what do you think? What do you think, Ryan, of, of her? I, a... I wouldn't stand in line to see her right. dead face. Yeah, that's and I, I, I wouldn't decorate my house with it. <laughs> and I wouldn't put um, that in my house. Yeah. Yeah, not on my but mantle, but I mean, I can... Pre-internet, pre-entertainment, yeah. 
people are just like, huh. I mean, I can nice see why, face. you know, she does have a nice face. She does look I think at the peace. Makeup wasn't common back then. So, yeah. you know, beauty wasn't exactly a high form of, you know, standard, you could say. Yeah. But I, I, I think I that will say, I, see... I will say that I think uh, she is kind of smiling. And that's kind yeah. of, yeah. that's that would be weird if you're like looking at all these dead people, their faces all warped. Or they look like, you know, it's like, like she they're knew dead. something at the time right. of and her death. And she's just like... And dude, here's the thing also that... Well, let me say two things. One, it is creepy to have a realistic looking face also, like that yeah, one man. on yeah. like, make, yeah. Keep it looking like a statue. This yeah. lady with the... She colored her hair and her skin. It's... Other thing is this though. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I, I'm looking at her face and I can see that her face... There's an attractiveness to her face. Like for a 16-year-old girl, I can say that there's some... No, I mean, when she's young. Oh, my gosh. I don't mean it like that. Well, I mean, I, hey, man. I mean, Whatever I'm floats your boat. No, 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 not no. whatever, because that's illegal. No, I'm saying for a 16-year-old girl not at that then. time, I can see that there's beauty. There's, there's a kind of beauty in her face, right? So, okay, back to the topic. So, people would line up to see this girl, right, in a glass case. Writers wrote poetry and verse about her face. Um, German writer Rainer Maria Rilke wrote... The face of the young drowned woman was beautiful because it smiled, smiled so deceptively as though it knew. Um, French philosopher Maurice Blanc- Blancotte said, an adolescent with closed eyes but enlivened by a smile, so relaxed, so rich, that one may be led to believe that she died in a moment of extreme happiness. And French writer Albert Camus uh, described her as having the smile of a drowned Mona Lisa. Um, and these, by the way, these writers didn't just write about her at the time. They wrote about her like 20, 30, 40 years after her death and after the popularity yeah. of this mask. So they were just like looking at their mantle and they're like, oh, I should write about this girl because they yeah. probably had that. Yeah. Knowing these kinds of people. Yeah. yeah. But here's the thing. Despite the, you know, many hundreds of people who came to see her during that week, no one could identify her. Nobody knew who she was. Um, the morgue owner finally decided to make a death mask of her face. Um, and by the way, none of the stories I can find, nobody could ever say what happened to her body after that. Like, we don't know. So the mask makers, eventually, the, the, ma- the Parisian mask makers got a hold of that death mask, and they started making replicas of her face. And um, they hung it alongside famous faces like Abe Lincoln and Napoleon and everybody else. Like, mm-hmm. they just hung it up on the walls, and it spread like wildfire. People across... Um, you know, France, Europe, they, they loved this face because they enjoyed the morbid Gothic beauty of it. It spread all over the Europe, all over Europe. It actually, this, this, this fact is also really surprising. An entire generation of German girls modeled their looks based on this face. <laughs> I'm not joking. Wow. The standard of beauty in Germany was drowned French girl <laughs> for like 10 years. That's, yeah. Um, it was made popular by German actress Elizabeth Bergner. And you can kind of see a little bit of that on that actress's face, like when mm. she was a German. And But then again, German German, German uh, film <laughs> at that time. Stopped. <laughs> German film at that time was that whole um, Impressionism style of filmmaking. So it was kind of, you know, muted tones yeah. and, and things like that. So anyway, back to the 1920s. That's when the older woman, once she discovered all this, realized that this face was the face of her sister who she hadn't seen in 50 yeah. years. So now she finally knew what happened to her sister. And she knows she drowned, you know, shortly after she left, yeah. you know, the village or whatever. So she down- drowned when she was 16. Now, <laughs> it's not over yet. Let's skip ahead to the 1950s. 
Okay. Long after this woman's dead, long after the fad of the Le Conu de la Seine passed, right? Um, so there's a man, a famous toy maker in Norway named Asmund Lairdal. Asmund, yeah, we're going like far away. Yeah. Asmund Lairdal has a son named Tor. <laughs> As as he would be named. Yeah. So Tor was two years old when he nearly drowned in the ocean. He was in the ocean, and he drowned. Um, nearly. Yeah. Uh, his coat caught a pocket of air, and he happened to float a little bit, just enough for Asmund. Why are you in the ocean in a coat? <laughs> well, I mean, luckily you were, I guess, yeah. Tor. Uh, Asmund, that's how Asmund spotted his son, and he fished him out. And here's the thing. Asmund didn't know CPR. Actually, there was no CPR. Yeah. It didn't exist back then. But he managed to save Tor anyway. Um, but this affected Asmund really badly. Like, he was kind of a little, like, not, I won't say traumatized, but he was affected deeply by the near loss of his son, obviously, yeah. right? So not long after, he's approached by Dr. Peter Safar, an Austrian physician. By the way, I hope at this point you guys were like, oh, man, how is this tying into this whole I thing? Have, I think I might have a guess, but okay. I'm not sure. Let's see, let's see if it pans out. You have out. a guess? <laughs> a guess. Well, well, shouldn't we hear the guess to see no, if No, I, I'll, I'll trust you, Jimmy. I don't, I don't, I don't want right. to say it yet because right. she might be right if she knows where this is going. So Dr. Peter Safar, Austrian physician, he's been researching a new technique to save people who are drowning. He calls it cardiopulmonary resuscitation mm. or mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. So, Dr. Safar asked the famous toy maker if he can make a life-size doll that people can practice mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on. Asmund agrees because of the <laughs> near drowning of his son. Yeah. And here's the thing. At that time, it was the idea, the very idea of putting your mouth on somebody who might be kind of dead is outrageous. Yeah, and, right. Who might be somebody yeah. who might be kind of dead. Yeah. So here's the thing. Asmund knew this. Regardless of the frame of the body, like the actual frame, the face, the doll's face needs to be female. And the reason why is because people would be a little bit unnerved if it was like a, a masculine face. Yeah. Um, and, it, and also if it wasn't an attractive face. So he needed a face that was demure and innocent. And it was then that Asmund remembered his childhood. Because once he walked into his father's study and he found a face hanging on the wall. And that face was of the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen back then. And he would stare at it often. By the way, at this point in the story, do you remember, Ryan? You don't know this reference, but you remember that uh, Durarara? I, I made you watch that show a long time ago. Mm-hmm. How people got obsessed with the headless woman. Yeah. That kind of reminded me of that. Like, just this guy staring at this head on the wall. So that's the, <laughs> make, that's, that's the starting of a serial killer right there. <laughs> well, yeah. he's a toy maker, so hopefully no, I know, it's a... But... Uh, so I, know, I, I think I know where this... Yeah. Was that where you thought it was yeah. going to go? Most importantly, he remembered the story of the mask and of the drowned woman. Um, and he knew that the face on the doll that he was going to create had to be the face of Lacanu de la Seine. It just yeah. made sense to him. So that's the thing. The, the dolls that are used to practice mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, the face, it's, it's a little do bit they, different do now. Do they still use that face? They still use the face. However, it's not the exact face. They've kind of changed a little bit okay. over the years, right? But the basic model of it is yeah. absolutely. All that's the dolls crazy. use the face of Lacanu de la Seine. Um, 
it's actually referred to as the most kissed face in the world. And Aww. in this, and actually, here's what I really like though. In this strange kind of beautiful way, everyone who practices mouth to mouth resuscitation is it's, desperately yeah, trying to save trying this to girl, save like the girl who drowned. The gr- yeah in the 1800s. Wow, that's, that's I mean, that's poetic. there's something really <laughs> beautiful poetic. and poetic about that. Like we're all trying to save her. That's all we're trying to do. She lives but, on. Yeah, kind of making out with everyone. <laughs> well, actually, you know, mouth to mouth isn't really it's not making taught out. anymore. Oh, it's not. What is? Just CPR. Oh, just but, the, the chest compressions. Oh, so you don't blow anymore. Oh, okay. Huh. I mean, that's pretty recent, isn't it? I don't. I think so. Yeah, because because I, I don't. I think they found like, it doesn't. That doesn't actually. Mm-hmm. Really yeah, because you mainly just need to get the <clears throat> the heart pumping to get because you don't want oxygen to be deprived from the brain because that's what can cause more um, damage than mm. than that anything else. Yeah. Interesting stuff. But yeah, yeah that's nice. everyone's trying to. Yeah, that was that was cool. Yeah, I know that, that. I like that. Yeah. Le Cornu de la Seine. So, Courtney? All right. <clears throat> so, I will be talking about Nancy, the white mouse, Wake. Yeah. Man, you guys got some Animals. cool ass You guys got some cool Animal ass names. names. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'll just give you some background of her and then we'll get to the Nancy, the white mouse part. Okay. The white um, mouse makes her sound like she's like a spy or something. Yeah. <laughs> So um, her full name is, uh, well, at least by the time that she died, but her, nan- her name is Nancy Grace Augusta Wake. Um, she was born in New Zealand and then moved to North Sydney um, when she was little. She ran away from home at 16, and she found work. A lot of kids doing that <laughs> at that time. <laughs> what? When was this? Um, let me go up. So she was born in 1912. Yeah. In okay. 1914, she moved yeah. to Australia and lived in North Sydney. And then, yeah, when she was 16, she ran away. She found work as a nurse. Um, at some point... Already much more respectable. Than <laughs> and, and at that time, it was... Po- you know, the thing about that time period is, like, the time period of our grandfathers and most likely our great-grandfathers, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. It's at a time when a child could run away from home... And, and survive. Become, and become a boxer, become yeah. a nurse. Actually, my grandfather, my father's father, he ran away from his village in Sri Lanka to go to Colombo, and he got... <laughs> he slept in a railway car and he was found a few days like he's like the railway worker that worked there saw how he was just sleeping in railway cars so he invited him to come live with him and like he became oh, like the, the great grandfather but here's yeah. the he became what my grandfather would refer to as his father right yeah. but here's the thing that but I just thought he's a kid who ran away from home at 12 years old lived in rail cars and he became a celebrated actor and director in Sri Lanka nice like, like you know what I mean yeah. like that what was possible back that's then that's kind of similar to my uh, my dad's father he ran away from his village in India okay um, and he uh, I, from what I understand is mainly because he didn't want to be a part of the arranged marriage thing okay um, and he was part of the uh, the Brahmin class oh, the highest the class the highest class yeah. Um, and within that class, the highest of that. Damn. Um, so, but he ran away. Huh. He joined the Royal Air Force, um, and he broke, I think, both his legs at some point from as a paratrooper with the RAF. Was your father? My my grandfather. grandfather. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you know continued on with the Indian Army once they gained independence, and he retired as a brigadier general. Yeah. With the Indian Army. So. Not all of us with famous <laughs> brothers. Mine are way before your guys. <laughs> equally bad and actually you know what kudos to us because i think all that means all of our families kind of have some noble blood in them <laughs> you've got you know the brahmin class the yeah. highest indian caste i, I tell from, people i'm an indian princess no. yeah <laughs> I, 
<laughs> you should. You are. Yeah. You're, yes. From the bloodline. Yeah. I mean, Brahmin class is the yeah. highest class. Um, I Kumar Singh has a noble house in Sri Lanka in ancient times. So not royalty, but it's like nobility. And you've got. Oh yeah, I didn't actually tell my. Th- I don't even know if you know this. Uh, my great 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 something grandfather was like a Duke of Wales. Nice. Yeah. So and, you're like. And <laughs> then he eloped <laughs> with his prostitute mistress. <laughs> And that's where I came from. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, by the way, like, I don't know why, but I imagine you. I mean, because, you you know, it's your aunt. So I just imagine you doing that. Like, I don't want this. I want her. Forget royalty. <laughs> well, there's two things I'll share right now. One thing is, did She's you guys ever watch the show Frasier? <laughs> yeah. So there's that one episode where Martin wants to sell this um, bear thing that he has. And it's been passed down in their family for generations. And it tur- and then he goes on to the Antiques Roadshow and he finds out it belongs to... Um, uh, the Romanoffs and everything. And so Frazier and Niles are like, oh my God, we're part of the Romanoffs. We're, you know, blah, blah. They view the whole history. Somebody from the Russian embassy comes by and they're like, yeah, the this was stolen from the Romanoffs by a chambermaid who was supposed to help them escape, but instead she went off with the loot and ran away. That is your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other thing I'll tell you guys, I don't know if it'll blow your mind or not, just kind of on this whole thing. So my mom's, grandfather so my great grandfather very much into lineage and everything and so he did a whole family tree thing and this is before computers so he went to libraries he did full research and all of that he traced the full family I mean who knows if how accurate it is but I tell people because I think it's funny and it's cool <laughs> but he traced it all the way back to Charlemagne so wow. supposedly I'm related to Charlemagne which means I'm related to Jesus is Charlemagne related to Jesus yeah, if you follow, there's a whole thing, but um, Jesus' bloodline leads to Charlemagne. Huh. So. His his brothers and sisters, that sort of yeah. thing. Okay, okay. So, huh. wow. I'm related to Jesus. Just saying. Cool. And if you follow, if you follow the theory behind uh, Da Vinci Code, you're looking at the Holy Grail. Just saying. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a good pickup line. You should. <laughs> Holy Grail right here. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to right. the White Mouse. So um, so she ran away. She found work as a nurse. Um, at some point, an aunt died, and she got 200 pounds. It was Wait, part of an hold inheritance. On, hold on. So, oh, an aunt. Okay, right. Yeah, our gotcha. aunt. No, no, so, yeah. gotcha. Here's the thing. We're talking about animals this whole like, <laughs> like, okay, wait, wait, I saw the wheels where, turn and I was like, where the ants come from? I, I, I was like, he really thinks she's talking about a fucking insect right yeah. now. An ant came into her kitchen and gave her 200 pounds. <laughs> it died. Here's your inheritance, ma'am. <laughs> the richest ant in the world. Um, I mean, again, going back to the thing, though, of that time, I mean, it's just you could have as well for then is a lot. But to us, like 200 pounds, that's nothing. But off of that, she was able to go to New York and then to London. Um, and then once she was there, she trained herself as a journalist and worked with um, Hearst newspapers over in Europe. Man, those were also the days when you can just decide I'm yeah, a journalist now. Exactly. And people are like, yes, you are. Come work for the newspaper. <laughs> And over here, they're like, um, sorry, you don't have a four-year degree, and you, you also don't have six years of experience. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry. No, I mean, Go back then, you could really be anything you wanted. You know, you could just do whatever. Everyone wants that safe bet now. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm learning about the actual um, history and process of how did uh, employee interviews begin, or like, like how did you know, the process of hiring actually like, evolve? 
And in the beginning, it was simply just skills. Like the way they'd hire people for like a jeans factory is you've got 10 minutes. Let's see how many jeans you can make. (laughs) And that's it. Whoever makes the most jeans gets the job. Well, I can say um, my mom's dad, um, he, I think he dropped out like in what would be considered like fifth grade or sixth grade or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, he became a very successful graphic artist. And he just basically went to people and said, you know, hire, hire me for this, hire me for a little bit of time. Let me prove myself. And if, if it's good, I'll stay on. And if not, whatever. And he went on to do, he, he even designed like Frank Sinatra's um, letterheads and he did very famous movie uh, uh, album covers for like Dean, Dean Martin and other movie posters and stuff. No like one that. is allowed to talk shit about millennials <laughs> not being successful because we can't do that. Yeah. yeah. We get like three background checks. Yep. You can't even lie in your fucking resume anymore. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay, so um, so she's in London. She's in London. Eventually, she goes over to France. Um, in 1937, she married a French industri- industrialist. Um, she was living in Marseille when Germany invaded Paris. Um, so after the fall of France in 1940, she became a courier in the French resistance and later joined um, an escape network. And so it was because she was able to get away from the Gestapo, they weren't able to capture her, she became known as the White Mouse. Okay? Okay. And she, and she caused so much problems, you know, working with the French resistance and everything like that, that actually the Gestapo put a 5 million franc um, uh, hit like on reward. her. Oh, yeah. man. To, to, you know, capture her, and they would, they would award that much. Um, so... She was doing all that, um, and then, yeah, she was the most wanted person. She did have to, at some point, that their network was betrayed, and so she was going to leave Marseille. Her husband stayed behind. He Unfortunately, he was later captured and tortured because um, they wanted to find out where she was, right. and he wouldn't give that up. So, you know, but she didn't find that out <laughs> By until, the way, like, what? They were on a mouse hunt. They were on a mouse hunt. <laughs> Wait, what was, her, what was her name? The White Mouse. No, not the White Mouse. Her actual name. Uh, Nancy oh, Nancy okay. Wake. Yeah. Go on. Um, so, but she unfortunately didn't find out that her husband died until uh, I believe it was like much after the war had already finished. You know, because communication back then was yeah. was hard. Um, one thing that made me. He's all texting her. They um, got me. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, one thing that made me laugh, and I'm like, once I read this, I'm like, yeah, I think I want to do my story on her. Um, she was describing her tactics of how she would get around the Gestapo and other like German checkpoints and stuff. So this is this is a quote from her. A little powder and a little drink on the way and I'd pass their German posts and wink and say, do you want to search me? God, what a flirtatious little bastard I was. <laughs> so when she, she said powder and a drink, I thought she, she was doing cocaine. <laughs> I thought she was like... Take a shot. It, it could Let's do this. It could I mean, be a little bit of the powder on the nose yeah. and a little bit of powder the on and in the nose. <laughs> on and in, you never know. <laughs> um, so she fled Marseille, um, and then um, she eventually reached Britain, and there she joined the special operation. She joined special operations as an executive there, um, and she was known as one person described her as a real Australian bombshell. Tremendous vitality, flashing eyes, everything she did, she did well. Um, and she, uh, see, on, in 1944, she parachuted into a place to act as a liaison between London and the um, French resistance fighters there. Wait, so she was going to be a liaison and she's like, 
I'll jump out of a plane to get there. That's <laughs> yeah, cool. why not? <laughs> wow. Well, this is the no one was thing. like, I'll drive you, miss. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I'm jumping. Um, but the other thing is, so she jumped out. She got tangled in a tree. Captain. That's Hen- like Maggie the goat level comedy right there. <laughs> like she got Sadie tang- the goat. Oh, sorry. Sadie the goat. Sadie. Ma- Maggie's gal. What was the other one? Gal's, Gal's Mag. Mag. There you go. Sadie the goat level comedy right there. <laughs> Caught in a tree. <laughs> yeah. So she's just hanging out in the tree. Um, and the, the cap, Captain Henry Tardivat, um, came upon her and this is what he greeted her with. Um, I hope that all the trees in France bear such beautiful fruit this year to which she replied, don't give me that French shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so her job was basically to, uh, get arms and equipment to all of, and also, um, was minding all of the finances for the French, French resistance fighters. She uh, led the group of 7,500 soldiers, you know, so that's, that's a lot. She led attacks on German installations um, and also the local Gestapo. Um, and, you know, she, I mean, she's just amazing all the stuff that she did. So they fought 22,000 German soldiers and they caused 1,400 casualties and they only had 100 themselves. So they were pretty damn good. Um, and that was, you know, at the end of the war, she was awarded like the highest honors for like, I think all of, for France, uh, England and America, she got received the highest honors. Um, after the war, she did marry again. She went back to Australia. She did try two times to, you know, but by the way, this whole time I had completely forgotten that she is just a runaway from New Zealand. <laughs> she is. Yeah. Well, no, from Australia. She was born in oh, New Zealand, okay. but she they she ran moved, away from Sydney. Yeah, oh, they okay, moved okay. to Sydney when she was younger. Gotcha. But um, so when she so she did go back to Australia after the war, and she did try a couple times to get into politics and to get into that, but she lost both times. Um, and then finally, she uh, why are all you the laughing? Australians are like. Fuck off. <laughs> you left the country. <laughs> yeah, parachuted to Sydney. <laughs> you haven't been here since you were 12. Um, in 2001, she went back to London, leaving Australia, and she became a resident at the Stafford Hotel in St. James Place. And the reason why she went back there was because this was a place where British and American forces would go during the war. And according to her, quote, this is where she got her first bloody good drink there. Um, so the staff and the managers and everything, they all had her and they loved her and everything. And so they just let her stay there for free um, until later on. She She's then, just like Zach and Cody or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> she just lived in the hotel. <laughs> That's cool. um, so and then uh, she stayed there and she celebrated her 90th birthday there. And then in 2003, she moved to a place that's for disabled um, ex-service people. And then she stayed there until she died, which was in August 2011, and she was 98 years old. Wait, 2011? In 2011, she died. She died. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, she was 98. Oh, I mean, that's great. That means she saw the internet. She saw yeah. all the good stuff. Because <laughs> literally nothing else is coming is going to be that great. The, internet, the internet's not cool when you've, like, killed a bunch of Germans <laughs> and, like, parachuted, parachuted in the out. trees. <laughs> like, you don't give a shit about AOL. Avoiding Gestapo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, huh? pretty long-filled, adventurous. You know life. what? I was actually the reason why I asked what her name was because I had forgotten it was Nancy. I thought if her name was Bianca, I was like, "Oh, rescuers down under." That's totally, <laughs> that's <laughs> totally white mouse. That's totally Dude. where they got their Dude. inspiration nice. from. Uh, nice. I kind of wish her I name wish. was Bianca. Voiced by Zsa Zsa Gabor. <laughs> I really wish 
that's what it was. But it's not. By the way, <laughs> I I had no idea she was vo- vo- voiced by Zsa Zsa Gabor, but now that I know, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that oh, makes... Oh, you didn't know that? I did not yeah. know that, but, huh, makes oh, a lot of sense. Oh, Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bernard was from California, he'd sound like me. <laughs> Bernard voiced by uh, Bob Newhart. Okay, yeah. You really know your voice yeah. actors for... Who, 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 <laughs> who, who voiced the eagle? <laughs> the eagle. Well, he's a seagull, not an eagle. No, no. You're giving him I, too much. I, I mean the gold. Oh, the actual, the, gold. actual <laughs> golden eagle. <laughs> She's like, sure. actually, it was in an eagle res- named Sparky. In Rescuers Down Under, he didn't yeah. have a voice. I know. I'm joking. I'm joking. He screeched. That's, yeah. That was the yeah. joke. Actually, did you know eagles don't screech? They don't sound like how we think eagles do. They don't no, they sound, sound majestic like... Well, cool. maybe the Australian eagles no. do. <laughs> well, I'm talking about bald eagles. Bald eagles okay, yeah, see? do not sound cool like that piercing America sound. They don't sound like that at all. They like make chicken noises. They sound really <laughs> fucking stupid. Bald eagles, anyone listening, look up bald eagle sounds. They sound fucking dumb. <laughs> that's what America wants. They want you to believe it's like this. No, but that's actually perfect for America because we all look great, majestic. Everyone well, wants to come here until we, we, open, until we open our mouths. We're bald. Until we open our mouths. Yeah. There you go. That's probably America. the reasoning behind it. Yeah. Actually, when you think about it, whenever they show the bald eagle in, like, those, like, propaganda-type, you know, videos, whatever, like, I'm proud to be an American, like, that, that type of stuff, it is true. Like, you hear kind of, like, the start of, like, a, an eagle sound, but usually it's drowned out by the, the powerful guitars. Music and all and that, the, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I've got one more story that's short and brief that I can share with you guys. And, uh, you know, again, it's about another woman, you know, contribution, women's contributions to uh, history, right? So uh, this story starts off. I Actually, uh, you guys might know th- this story, though, because you guys are all well-read. Are you guys familiar with the story of the immortal cells of Henrietta Lacks? Yes. Yeah. No. No? Okay. I are dumb. <laughs> So, or maybe I do, and I just don't remember. Yeah, you might. You might. It, I think I've read different pieces story. of things. So the story starts, well, at least the way I'm going to start it, is with Dr. George Guy. In the 1950s, he wanted to grow human cells in a lab in order to conduct medical testing. Oh, because I do know. You know the story. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you can't do extreme testing on people, people. obviously. So you want human cells. Uh, but the problem is that the human cells don't grow when they're not attached to a person yeah. anymore. They a living die. person. A living person, right. They die. Um, but he had a deal with John Hopkins University that anytime they get a hold of cancer cells, they will give a sample of it to Dr. Guy for his testing. And, of course, they take other samples and give it to other labs and things like that, but they always had one you know, vial of it or whatever for Dr. Guy. Um, so... And by the way, at the time, they had no idea. Like, they don't know why human cells don't grow separate from a human being. So he receives a brand new sample uh, on January 29th, 1951. And Dr. Guy gives a sample to his assistant, Mary Kubasek, and she puts a sample in a Petri dish and runs the machines and leaves for the day. Um, So Mary comes in the next day and finds that, and by the way, you have to imagine she's been doing this for, for time, her yeah. whole time, she's been an assistant. And, of course, she runs the machine, leaves the you know, cells in a petri yeah. dish, comes back, it's dead the next day. But this time, she comes in, and she finds that a new batch of cells have grown in that petri dish. In fact, the cells have doubled in size. So she swaps the petri dish, 
continued to experiment. And every single day for that like week, the cells continued to double in size. Like she's never seen anything like that before. It just continued to grow. So Dr. Guy named these cells HeLa cells. And no one knew why he called it that for 25 years. So instead of making money, though, and to his credit, instead yeah. of making money from these cells, what he did was he gave them away free to mm-hmm. medical labs and hospitals around the world because now all these there's you know, a doctors, renewable source of, right, of cells, human cells to test with. Like there's a renewable yeah. source yeah. now, and they can just keep growing <clears throat> these cells. In fact, these HeLa cells and being able to test using them were responsible for curing polio and they're responsible for the advances we've made in in reducing and and mitigating leukemia, influenza, Parkinson's disease, HIV, and AIDS. Like we've made breakthroughs because of these HeLa cells. Actually, I mean, AIDS is almost done now. It's like they've well, they've come up with like a like a really good a way of like yeah. mitigating it, reducing. Yeah. You can't cure it right now, but you can yeah. control it. Yeah. Um, I, I think they said recently they uh, they made it like almost like non-transferable. Like you can't give. That's that's that would yeah. be the best thing you could do with it. Like base, the the way it works is if you're, it's like for knowing people in committed relationships though. So it's like you have it, but your partner doesn't have it, and so your partner has to take like a specific medication, and you take something else, and you can't pass it on. Huh. Nice. It's pretty cool. That's good. Yeah. Thanks, well, Hela cells. Yeah. <laughs> That's the start of it. Yeah, you know. it's, it sounds like a brand, by the way. Hela cells. It just sounds yeah, like a does. hip brand. Anyway, these were the. F- sounds way, like an ointment. Hela cell. <laughs> Heal your dry skin with Hela cell. <laughs> with uh, Shaquille O'Neal as the spokesman. <laughs> <laughs> um, so these were these cells were actually sent into space to test zero gravity on human cells, and they were the first cells ever to be cloned before we cloned a living animal, even. Dolly. Dolly. Good old Dolly. So. Um, and but here's the thing about these cells: they were extremely aggressive and resistant, and they could actually they found these cells could sit on a particle of dust and just float through the air. Like most cells die when they're in a condition like that, like especially dry air like that. But these cells were so resistant and so aggressive and strong they could survive like in these really extreme extreme yeah. environments. Yeah, so they can float on particles of dust, and that's a problem because these petri dishes are out. And so sometimes oh, yeah. the cells from Hela cell uh, from the Hela sample would catch on a piece of dust, float up, and into the petri dish of other cells that they were testing that are non-Hela. Mm-hmm. And, and their Hela cells and everything. And the problem is, what Hela cells do to those other cells is they just completely wipe those cells out and replace them with Hela cells. Like Hela cell, it, it's I mean, it is a cancer cell basically, so yeah. it mm-hmm. spreads and just kills all the other cells. But here's the thing: those were other; those other ones were cancer cells too. Like it was a there cancer can only cell. Be one. Yeah. Um, so what the thing is, scientists needed a way to genetically test the cells in the petri dish to make sure they were not HeLa cells. Like they need to be able to tell the difference because it was becoming a problem for their actual testing. So they needed a way yeah. to genetically test for HeLa cells. And so that is when they found out where the HeLa cells came from. And this is, we're talking 25 years later, right? If, if the cells were brought to the lab in 1951, it was like 1975, like mid to late 70s, when they actually found out where the cells came from. So there's a woman named Henrietta Lacks. Um, she's a black woman born in Roanoke, Virginia in 1910, right? 
Um, she felt on January 29th, 1951, she felt a knot in her womb and she felt a lump inside of her. She had cancer, you know, she had a cancer in her womb and, um, you know, she went to get some medical attention at John Hopkins. Um, and that's when they got samples of her, uh, of her cancer cells and they gave one of those samples to Dr. Guy. Um, and of course, from then on, you know, they conducted, um, well, you know what happens after that with her cells. They did a testing yeah. and all that stuff. What happened to her was they conducted intense procedures to cure her cancer. Some of those procedures were they would give her like massive doses of morphine um, as a way to stop the cancer. <laughs> Feel also, good. Also, this one's crazy. They even injected her with 100% alcohol straight into her spine. Jeez. Fuck me. Oh, my God. They, like, she was in unbelievable agony for the last days of her life like she went she went in in january and she stayed in the hospital until october 4th when she died like she never left that hospital when she went in and she was in extreme agony for the entire time she was there Oh man but the thing is even though she died her cells lived on um medical science up until even the 70s I mean, until maybe like the 80s, really, medical science never acknowledged or even repaid the lacks for their contribution to science. Like, like her family lived in poverty, even though her mother, you know, made some people rich, contributed to science. Like, just saved her, God knows how many yeah, lives. Yeah, how many by lives did her mother save? Um, and her family didn't know anything. All they knew was she was in the hospital yeah. and she died. That's it. Um, here's an interesting little addendum to this story. Deborah Lax, right? Her youngest daughter was 15 months old when Henrietta died. So she never really knew her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really, mm-hmm. like, as a, the only child who never knew her mother, she's always curious. Like, she'd ask questions like, you know, did her, did her mom breastfeed her? Like, things like that. Yeah. She just wants to know about her mom. So she received a call from scientists in the late 70s wanting a sample of her DNA in order to test the HeLa cells to find out. And the thing is, they didn't explain anything to her. Like, she had no idea what's going on. And she was, that was the first time anybody brought yeah. her mother in, like, decades. So her family had no idea what was going on. So she started researching this whole thing about the HeLa cells and this whole situation. Yeah, right. And um, then that's when she found out about, okay, there's these HeLa cells. And then she found out HeLa cells were cloned and that, you know, the HeLa cells were from her yeah. mother. In fact, Gila Henrietta Lacks, right? Yeah, right. So here's the thing, though. She is not, like, a scientist or anything like that. And the, and the, the scientist didn't tell her anything. So when she read that Gila cells were cloned and they were everywhere, all over the world, thousands of them, batches, she was just like, oh, my God. What if I see my mother? Like, she thought her mother was cloned oh. and her mother was just walking around the streets. <laughs> thousands in, of copies of her mom. Right. So she was like, oh, my gosh, like she might be able to meet her mom. Like She's never met her mother. Um, but then later she discovered this whole thing. Okay, no, it was her cells that yeah. were cloned. Um, and, and listen, when I say later, I mean like years later. Like for like years I she thought her mother was cloned. I can imagine she must cloned. have been kind of freaked out. I would have been freaked right. out if I thought about that. I mean, she actually wondered like, will her mother like remember her? Like things like that. Like she didn't know. So for years she didn't know. But she eventually found, okay, no, it was her cells yeah. that were cloned. So then she thought to herself, like, it's horrible to her that her mother's cells were being tested and experimented on because she thought to herself, how can her mother ever uh, rest? You know, how can her mother ever rest if she's being 
tested on, things like that, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, she really, like, was uh, unhappy about that whole scenario, and she didn't really like that whole uh, <laughs> situation. Yeah. Um, what an episode. <laughs> we were doing so, all right for a while yeah. there. So um, eventually, though, I mean, the whole thing, she was uh, unhappy about that, but eventually f- one scientist at a lab did reach out to her, brought her to the lab so she can finally see examples of the HeLa cells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she was actually given the chance to hold the HeLa cells in her hands and, like, see it through a microscope and see, you know, the, the intensity of how, you know, swirling and, like, you yeah. know, aggressive the cells were. Like, like it, it was life cool, I mean. in that, you know, vial, you know? Yeah. So it was kind of like some consolation that she got, you know, being able to, like, hold her mother's cells in her hand. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the, the HeLa cells are still used to this day, of course. They're, Did they ever, like... Oh hey, by the way, thanks for all your contributions to science. Here's some fucking money. No, or I mean like something. The medical community, as far as I know, didn't do anything for them. But there is like some like foundations that were formed to raise funds yeah. for uh, Henrietta's great grandchildren to go to college, like college funds. Basically. Yeah, well, I mean something yeah. should have happened but I mean, like that. I don't I think this is like... something that like the medical community or the scientists were like, let's make a fund for them. I think it was just like yeah. private sort of a thing. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but. I mean, in death, Henrietta Lacks contribute. I actually her tombstone. Oh my gosh! I wish I actually let me let me find that really quick. Oh, actually, let me give you some figures. This is actually really relevant. Um, you know how much HeLa cells they cloned or they incubated? Fifty million metric tons, enough to wrap around the world three times. Yikes! Yeah, a lot. And hold on, let me check There's Henrietta a lot Lacks. Of Henrietta. <laughs> Well, it's more, I mean, it's more than her body Henrietta ever was not have. lacking. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me see. I'm trying to see what Henrietta Lacks' tombstone says. Uh, it says, okay, it says Henrietta Lacks uh, and her, you know, uh, years that she was alive. In loving memory of a phenomenal woman, wife, and mother who touched the lives of many, here lies Henrietta Gila. Her immortal selves will continue to help mankind forever. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, good. that's a good one. Yeah. All right, guys. So thanks, uh, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, all these women contributed in their own way. You've got a woman fighting against the Nazis. You've got a woman whose face is the face, the face of, of resuscitation. A woman whose cells are saving lives. You have an entrepreneur and a woman <laughs> in who eighteen hundreds New York who headbutted <laughs> her than way into better every, society. Everyone yeah. else. <laughs> She a made wo- gin. A woman she who gave gin. us some laughs or anything. Do you know if her brand of gin is still being made today? No, I do not. She should maybe mm. find that out. Mm. See if it's still around. Like Bombay yeah. gin or something. I don't it's know. The gray Bombay. goat. <laughs> <laughs> the goat whiskey. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, do you guys have anything you want to signal boost or anything you want to shout out? Nope. To? By the way, actually, one thing I want to mention really quick. I mean, I, I want to mention this earlier, but... Um, I thought it was really funny. Like, when I came into this station, I see the tabs are open from the previous show, and I thought that was kind of funny. You've got... uh, a lot of tabs open. Yeah, you've got... uh, What was this? Transgender hatred. Hatred... No, seven ways anger is ruining your health. Definitions of hatred. Anger management. A A lot of anger management stuff is being... Well, I think I think it was... Yeah, they were talking about something like that from the last show. Yeah. Anyway... So, uh, uh, okay, you got anything cool. to signal boost, Ryan? I do not. Okay. Uh, 
my signal boost is uh, in, don't do PRSSA in PRSS <laughs> in you. two weeks not next Monday but the following Monday we will have a um, meeting wow. a meeting dude just <laughs> stop on we're the gonna 16th, do some stuff on the 16th we have a fundraiser so please come out to that on April 9th I believe we have elections so please come out to that to go no vote one, for some people please, and some things. Someone go vote him out of office because <laughs> I will he's be voted really out. bad at On, this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, what are we it's playing? It's on the phone. Yeah, I know. I know it is. I know. Sure you did. Uh, do, you remember, do you remember what you're doing? Yeah, I do. Oh, so we've got the, 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 the song is Third Prototype by Get In, right? Or Get In by Third Prototype. I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's Get In. It's one of those combinations. It's the third prototype of Get In. No. This is an actual person who made this thing, so the artist is third prototype. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us on today's episode, guys. We will see you next week. Don't forget week. not to go to work tomorrow if you can afford yeah. that. And wear red. Or wear red. red. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Uh, have a good one.
Ryan and Usher are Dead is made possible thanks to KDHR, the student-operated radio station of California State University, Dominguez Hills. For more information about KDHR, please visit www.kdhr.net. The intro song for this show is Space Ace by Blind. This music is made available thanks to Overclocked Remix. For more information, please visit ocremix.org.